So I went for a walk the other day around Camden Yards in downtown Baltimore. And that's a really weird way to open a show about Pittsburgh's baseball team. But especially when you're talking about doing it in the wintertime. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or hockey, I also offer up daily shots of Steelers and Penguins where you found this. It is a true story. I was covering the Steelers game down there, and my hotel is right across the street from Camden Yards. So I did take a walk around. It's really a remarkable place still. Uh, it's been around for 30 years, but it set the original bar for the nouveau retro wave of ballparks, of which PNC Park is a shining example. But it's still on its own very much stands the test of time. That stadium's going to be there for a long, long, long time. Orioles, of course, not so good. And I was thinking about what a shame that is. You know, they're in the AL East, so they're already up against it. Their payroll is low. They never really seem to have much of a direction, even when they do lower their payroll. Like, it doesn't seem to happen with a purpose. They just progressively get worse and worse and worse. So my eye was naturally going to be called to a story in the Baltimore Sun yesterday that stated that the Orioles are going to make significant modifications to the playing area of Camden Yards. Specifically, they're going to be moving back the left field wall roughly 30 feet and then elevating that wall from 7 feet to 12 feet. Now, why would you do that when the ballpark's been sitting there all this time and probably seemed to most parties to be somewhat fair? I'm obviously not equipped with the time necessary to follow American League Baseball as much as I would if I were, you know, covering an American League team. But I looked up the numbers here, and the Orioles did, in fact, give up the most home runs in the majors last year at 258. Two years ago, 2019, last full season before the pandemic, they gave up 305. I, mean, I can't even get through that sentence without laughing. That's it's like almost two a game. And a lot of those happened there, and a lot of those happened at that part of the ballpark. So the Orioles, undoubtedly inspired by their analytics people, looked at the number of balls that went over that part of the fence and said, listen, we can eliminate X number of home runs that our pitchers give up just by pushing that wall back. And you can do that. You can do that. You have to clear everything with Major League Baseball so you don't have, for example, let's say a train track running over your left. Wait a second. <laughs> How about a grass hill in center? Same place. You can do anything you want. It's your ballpark. 
So that got me to thinking, maybe the pirates could or even should try something similar at PNC Park to try to overcome some of their own competitive, in parentheses, payroll disadvantages. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern that's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone, and you do the rest. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. Operating under the premise that there's no such thing as a bad idea amid a pandemic slash lockout, as it relates to doing a baseball podcast every day, I went and dug into this. And I saw that the Pirates last year, in 2021, gave up 213 home runs, 45 fewer than the Orioles, but still the eighth most in the majors. That is not an attractive figure. A lot of those, of course, originated in the right palm of J.T. Brubaker, who went on a home run allowing rampage, if that would be fair terminology for it, uh, in the second half of the season especially. But when I looked over ballpark data, how PNC Park itself has played, it's a fair place. It really is. It's not something that necessarily punishes the Pirates pitchers, and it's not something that favors the teams with the most power. They're going to have that edge either way. Now, if you put the Pirates in a bandbox, such as, oh, say, Cincinnati, you're going to see them get lit up like firecrackers, which is exactly what happened in virtually every game that was played at Great American Ballpark in 2021 and really for the past two or three years now. It's been awful. And that's because the Pirates don't have power. They certainly don't have power approximating anything that Cincinnati's got. And that's true with most teams that they face. But PNC Park has always played as something of an equalizer. If you think about the dimensions, if you think about the, the, the quirks to the place, the left field foul pole is close. That's how Jacob Stallings can hit a walk-off grand slam on what looked like just a little flare off his bat up the third baseline. And those do happen. And you will see home runs hit to the bleachers, but you'll also see a lot of balls hit in PNC Park toward that north side notch. And it's tough to get the ball out there. It is. Doesn't mean it doesn't happen. It doesn't mean it didn't happen out of proportion whenever Major League Baseball was semi-secretly juicing the ball at different periods over the last couple of years. But it it's fair. Center field is fair. Right center, where the seats are, is fair. And the Clemente Wall, in its own way, is fair. I mean, other ballparks, not least of which is Fenway Park with its monster, have these. And they can, in a weird way, mess with 
opposing hitters where they might not mess with uh, the home team's hitters as much because you look at it, and I've heard this from so, so, so many players that it has to be true. You look at it and you think, oh, man, that thing is like right there. The same thing with the Crawford boxes at Houston's Minute Maid Park. You walk out there. And remember, they used to be in the divisions. I did a million games down there. We're down there at field level for the batting practice. That thing feels like it's in your face. The the wall there with the train tracks running over it. It's right there. Well, PNC Park has a fairness element that goes from foul pole to foul pole, but also in not having... Uh, any sort of jet streams that you get from some of the domed or semi-domed places. There's an honest wind that comes up the valley in Pittsburgh, for those of you who aren't familiar with our topography. So it'll work its way, for the most part, from first base to center field, and it'll do so with no quirks. It won't do uh, any kind of uh, filtering through the... uh, the concourses or the panels of PNC Park because there's already a significant gap between the first and second decks, meaning vertically. The air comes through cleanly. What could the Pirates do? What could they do in, in the spirit of what the Orioles did? I'm sure they've got some white-collared statistical analysis, one of the five million that they have walking around 115 Federal, who could come up with something but it wouldn't be something that would be worthwhile. I I really, really believe that. And I think even when you get to particular players or even prospects and say, for example, okay, well, we have O'Neill Cruz here. Uh, O'Neill Cruz's power is to blank field. The answer to the blank is yes. His, His power is to all fields. He's absurd. Wherever he hits the ball with authority, it's going to go out. Now, if it's someone like Brian Reynolds, and you see a lot of Reynolds' power is more toward right center whenever he lets it go uh, on on a pitch that's on the outer part of the plate, that's where Andrew McCutcheon's power was when he was at his MVP form here in Pittsburgh. And Kebrian Hayes hits everything the other way. So you would think that for the most part, the ballpark will play fairly, continue to play fairly for whoever these guys are. But hey, you know what? I'm all for the Orioles doing what they did. You got to go for every competitive advantage you can find whenever the odds are stacked against you. When we come back, just one question. J1Q comes from Jason, who asks, which recycle bin pitcher will the Pirates sign next? I get a lot of these, and I I get them, and and not only do I not discard them, but I'll use them because I'm trying to get a fair representation of what people really want to hear, especially if I I know that they're not, you know, just flat-out trolling. This is a legit, cynical viewpoint to have about this team. When you look even at Ben Charrington's short tenure, that's an honest, reasonable question to ask. 
My honest, reasonable answer to this is twofold. One, he's probably got two or three more of those to sign. I really believe that. If you look at the makeup, the likely makeup of the rotation for 2022, you probably got Mitch Keller, Bryce Wilson, Will Crow, I would guess, JT Brubaker, if he's deemed ready, Rowanzi Contreras, Miguel Yahure. And I'm already at six, but at the same time, I don't mean to make that sound like it's some stacked thing because any one of these six, any one, could drop out and you wouldn't be stunned. I even say that about uh, Brubaker and Keller. I, I really feel like that if either one was to have some awful spring training, that they'd be no lock for anything as it relates to this organization. So you have that many, but they say, and Oscar Marine says, that they want to have 10 starters. Okay, well, you can add one or two starters to that mix, have them work in, have them just assume a spot the way Tyler Anderson did immediately and rightfully when he was added in 2021. You can do stuff like that. And we can have this conversation right up until what I'm betting already crossed most of everyone's minds, who's a regular listener here, which is we have no idea what the economic system's going to be. And that seems to keep getting glossed over. I'm not referring to you, Jason. I mean, in general, like people still have baseball conversations as if nothing's going to change. And it's going to. It might not be the uh, the economic system that I'm pulling for, and mine would be about as draconian as it gets in terms of a hard salary cap, but it's going to change. You know, Major League Baseball and the Players Union are going to meet tomorrow for the first time in nearly a month, and they are supposed to, according to multiple national reports, bring economics to the table. Now, so far, the items that have come up as possible discussion points aren't the main economic thing. There are things about um, free agency, uh, minimum wage, which is, of course, an economic thing, that going up to 700000 And that's something that I've mentioned to you guys before that I've felt all along that baseball was going to feel very comfortable going to the lower end of the rank and file in the union and saying, listen, We'll double your salaries right off the bat or come close to doubling. I don't know. The numbers were 600 and 700, which isn't a doubling, but it's, it's a significant pay raise for people at that level. They love to curry favor. All leagues do with the guys at the bottom because there are more of them and they're more likely to be swayed than the guys making 25, 30, 40 million a year. But none of that stuff's going to matter or add up to anything until they get to the main stuff. And the one thing you keep hearing more and more often is that the hardest thing for the owners and players to agree on ultimately is how to get all teams up to that $100 million range. Yeah, it's going to have to be at gunpoint, but it's also going to have to come with mechanisms that make it work. 
What will that look like? I don't know. But if it happens, and I'm going to repeat here that this is actually one of the few things that the owners and players would theoretically, abstractly agree upon. And if it does, we're having a very, very different dialogue here about who fills out whose rotation and what kind of money the Pirates can spend because it'll no longer really be that much up to them. They're going to have to do it. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Pirates, and we will do another one tomorrow. Thank you.